As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now, for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com. danasbeats.com. To help local officials whose communities are being overwhelmed by hordes of illegal immigrants who are being dropped off by the Biden administration, Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C. We are sending them to the United States Capitol where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. Hmm. So uh, that's Governor Greg Abbott. Looks like uh, D.C. They're going to get some visitors out in D.C. Kind of uh, what it looks like there. People coming up from the border. Looks like they're going to. Huh? Yeah, it's tourism. That's that's exactly what it is. Welcome to the show. I am. uh, It's the radio program. I'm Dana Lash. It's good to be with you this Thursday. Holy cow. It's already Thursday. We're already that much like close through we're already that far through the week we've made it we're almost there guys i got a million things to uh hit at you today and uh we're gonna summarily go through all of them but first this is what we're starting with right now i do have one question now we did reach out to governor greg abbott and we just wanted a quick phone a quick phone or with him quick phone call and kane reached out his staff said he had no time to to talk to y'all today so i'm just i like greg abbott but at the same time, when you guys start hammering me and you're like, hey, we need Abbott. On, we we, we want to hear from Abbott. We want to hear from Abbott about all this stuff. And so when I reach out to the governor's office, and by I, I mean Kane, when he reaches out to the governor's office and they're like, oh, well, he can't. I got to tell you guys, sorry, uh, the governor. It's just a quick phoner because we had some questions. Actually, and by you guys, like, we're, I got a lot of email about this. I got a lot of email. There were a lot of comments about this. So. And I don't, I, I like Governor Abbott. I like him. But I'm just saying, you know, part of the job too is you got to be talking to your people. And we are all around the country, coast to coast. But we have a massive amount, a massive listenership here in the Republic of Texas. So here's one question that I did have. And about, and I'm, I'm literally looking at some of the comments from you guys. Because there were probably like 20 some odd of you that all made this exact same point. 15 of you sent this to me in one hour. And it's not like bots or anything like that. I'm talking about people who, some of y'all used your work email. Be very careful with that. I'm very respectful of that stuff. But I'm just saying, if you ever email a progressive site, never ever use your work email, guys. But some of you had your work email. So they're not, you're, y'all are not bots. But there was one point, one common point that you all had. And it was this, Kane. Why not just take them right, across, right back across the border? 
Shorter trip. You're saving some gas money, right? Because gas cane is expensive. And I'd imagine for them big vehicles, that's pretty expensive, right? Now, I don't know, and this is what I actually wanted to ask the governor about. I don't know the legality of that. Because I do know this, that when you try that, you got the DOJ on your back. And they can actually, the uh, Department of Justice, what they can actually do is until some certain things are solved, they can freeze you from doing anything. So I, I was kind of wondering if Abbott hadn't done that because he did not want to have his hands tied while waiting for the next, you know, process in kind of a court battle about it. You know what I mean? Because they did this to Jane Brewer when she was in Arizona. And she was like, I'm just going to send people across the border. And they tied her hands from doing, I mean, anything, even what she had been currently doing, because they said, oh, we need to we need to battle this out in the courts. So I don't know if it's something to that. I just that's the that's I want to know what the legality of that is. And that's a question that I had that only the governor can answer. But you all that was all a very interesting, very, very interesting question. And I'm just curious, Kane. Because do you remember, who was it, Maxine Waters, when she she found a bunch of uh, homeless people? Yeah. And she was like, hey, you homeless people, go home. And they're like, we're homeless. <laughs> Lady, we're homeless. Like, what do you mean go home? Like, we don't have a home. We're homeless. And I'm just wondering, what kind of reception do y'all think that they're going to get um, in D.C.? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be open arms and... And and they're going to get invited in people's uh, Democrats' homes down there in Foggy Bottom, right? Yeah. Pretty sure. You know it. They're going to be putting out the, you know what? They're going to be putting out the, uh, uh, the cheese boards. They're going to be bringing out the fine wines for these people. I'm sure, right? Because they talk a really good game. Don't they? They're going to get their charcuterie boards. They're going to go bring all those out and... They're going to just, they're going to wine and dine these people, right? I'm sure because they talk such a great game about caring so much about people at the border. So I'm just, right? You, you look, Kane, you look like you're in disbelief. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, the question those people ask about, you know, of Governor Abbott, why doesn't he just drive him back across the border? Um, the Do same, they need drivers? The same question could be asked of Biden as he's flying and busing these people all over the country. Um I mean, are they conflating illegal immigration with asylum so much that this is what they're doing? You know, I do have an idea. What if you put signs up and said, oh, this bus is going to New Hampshire. And it really was actually going back across the border. (laughs) What if you did that? So people of their own free will get on the bus. I'm just saying. (laughs) But it's actually going across the border. I'm just asking. I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering. That's all I'm just saying. All right. So this is the, because this is bad. Guys, I I mean, we joke, but we joke because it's crazy. But the reality of with that, you know, our border agents and not just border agents, ranching families and families that live near the border. What these people are dealing with is a nightmare. And you have all of these Democrats that sit here and try to bring race and everything else into it. The border is the only time that Democrats pretend that Hispanics are not white adjacent. It is the only time that they pretend they're not white adjacent. Whenever you look at, whenever you look at like uh, some of these other issues, some of these other uh, uh, big issues, whether it's CRT or whether it's you know the transgender stuff in the schools, Democrats are always like, oh, the, all those white people, and they just kind of blanket, you know, 
Hispanics, Latinos, all in the same group. The border is the only time that they actually pretend that they're different. Or they actually recognize or acknowledge any kind of, any other time, y'all are white adjacent. But this is the only, the border is the only time that they, that they temporarily set that identity, that identity box aside and say, oh, you guys are, but, but here's the thing, the families that live along the border and the border patrol agents, the ranchers, they're predominantly Hispanic. Like 90 something, I think what border agents down there, like 93% border agents, like 93% Hispanic, something like that. And the ranching families, which are like second and third generation ranching families, by the way, and all of the the people that live in these border towns, I mean, they're getting hammered. I wish Henry Cuellar was a little bit more vocal now. Talked about this a little, uh, I think what yesterday mentioned it with um, Congressman Chip Roy, because Henry Cuellar had been really vocal about all of this stuff. And unfortunately, he's now being targeted, what, by a member of the squad, AOC, I think. And now he's being kind of quiet about all of it because he uh, they said that they're going to be they're coming after him because he's, I guess, spoke out about. <sighs> I don't know. He just they don't they're mad at him because he he's been one of the Democrats that has been supremely vocal about this. So we're going to continue following all of this as well. And um, also. I mean, I just I hope that there's some media that go along with that that but that ride. Uh, DEA is warning local law enforcement to prepare for a mass overdose event from fentanyl, leading U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency issued an unprecedented warning to law enforcement across the country. They said brace for a spike in fentanyl related mass overdose deaths as Mexican cartels are pushing the drug into the United States. The DEA sent a letter to all federal, state, and local enforcement departments, and they said officials should prepare not only for deaths caused by fentanyl to those deaths to rise, but also for mass casualty events in which a group of people could be killed because of knowingly or unknowingly overdosing. They said that Already this year, numerous mass overdose events, and we saw there was one a couple of weeks ago, spring break, resulted in dozens of overdoses and fatalities. Drug traffickers are driving addiction, etc. You know, and yes, there's a lot. They said that these incidents have occurred in, in Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., Omaha, Nebraska, Florida, other cities this year. Doesn't matter if it's red or blue. U.S. border officials have seized more fentanyl at the nation's borders just last year than any year on record. It's like tripled. It is terrifying. And it's continuing to get worse. (sighs) And with all of this influx at the border as well. I mean, that's... Now, I know a lot of people talk about China, and China has something to do with it, but Mexico is still the major source of fentanyl entering the United States. Mexico is the dominant source. Now, that's not to slight China. China's right there with it, number two. There's tons of illicit fentanyl from China. I mean, they have an on. I mean, they you the the ingredients. Now, here's the other thing: the ingredients that are used in a lot of this stuff with these Mexican drug traffickers, especially with these synthetic drug networks. It's actually the, the ingredients come from China, so there's a little overlap there. And this is this is a terrifying thing to think of. They said more teenagers in Pima County, Arizona, died last year. More teenagers in Pima County died last year from fentanyl overdoses than from car crashes, suicide, 
or even the coronavirus, according to the governor. They are at an all-time high. And it's not just, and, and the thing is, it's not just limited to border areas. I mean, this is going all the way up New Hampshire, New York, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. Man, this is why. you it, uh, Parents, I cannot lay this on you enough. Whatever you do not talk to your kids about in your home, whatever you do not teach your children about in your home, the world will. I promise you. And sometimes your kids don't come back from that lesson. Have that conversation. Remember, you're not there to be their, your, their friends. I scared the hell out of my kids about drugs. My kids are actually straight edge. Um, when my son turned 21, he didn't even want to have, he did not want any alcohol or anything like that. Here I made him a, what I make? I made him a, a, a Guinness, chocolate Guinness cake that looked like a frothy beer mug. And he did, he did, he's like, he didn't even want any, he didn't want any, well, he wanted the cake, but he didn't, it's just, you know, and I think that's like more and more with that generation. I was looking at some of the age, it's older teenagers and actually young millennials that are really getting hit by this. That's the other thing that I was looking at. It's not like baby Gen X. It's not like young Gen X or even really. It's not really so much a lot of older or not Gen X, Gen Z. It's not even really so much a lot of older Gen Z. It's a lot of young millennials that are really getting hit from this and like 19 year olds, 18, 19 year olds, you know, some Gen Z. But um, it's happening in every single state. This is terrifying. This is one of the other things that you have to consider when this is coming up from Mexico. Remember how I was telling you how coyotes love to distract Border Patrol agents? They'll send a massive group of kids or family units. And then when Border Patrol agents, because they, I'm not kidding you, there are so few down there. Uh, when they're distracted, then that's the opportunity that they seize to get a huge shipment of like fentanyl or something across the border. So... I'm telling you, this is going to get worse. We have, we're going to talk more about this. Uh, We have a lot of stuff today in receipts. Also, uh, the latest with the Biden family, Biden Inc., the sisters cashing in. There's a book out. Oh, I know. Pelosi gets COVID, but yet she's triple vaxxed and boosted. And how does Jill Biden's Secret Service detail get infiltrated by fake agents? That's terrifying. I don't care what your political affiliation is. That's scary. We're going to talk about that. I have a ton of stuff. Uh, two words, Cracker Jill. We're going to talk about that. No, not the First Lady. That, that's just something different, I promise. We're going to talk about all of this and more. As we get moving on, I swear it's going to make sense when I get to it. Some people who haven't heard it are like, what? Cracker Jill? What is that? In 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States. And now around 42% of all households in the United States have a firearm. People support the Second Amendment. For firearm enthusiasts, suppressors are a good idea when practicing at the range, indoors or outdoors. I mean, a suppressor doesn't silence your firearm, but it does help to protect your hearing. And even more so for those who like to spend a lot of time training with their firearms. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company and their customer reviews are awesome. So if you're new to shooting suppress, I want you to know that Silencer Shop has made the NFA process easy. Details are online at silencershop.com with free shipping and no transfer fees. And their suppressors start at just $365. Search Silencer Shop on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube and spend more time at the range protected with a suppressor that's right for you. See their variety and how to get yours through silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Man, I just saw this headline last night, and I don't, I'm don't. i not laughing at it, but it is, it's, 
I'll just read it to you and you can come to your own conclusions. Martha Stewart's dogs killed her cat. For real. Like they, she has this weird looking cat, had this weird looking cat, Princess Peony. And the cat was murdered by her, by Martha Stewart's four dogs. They mistook the cat for a rogue threat and killed her. And that's kind of, golly. And she has, I don't know what kind of, she has like a, two Frenchies and I forget, something else. She has another, two other furry type. This, this cat looked like it had a bad attitude. But I'm just saying that's kind of sad. Anyway, so she said, yeah, they said that there were warning signs apparently. And I guess, I don't know. Man, that's kind of rough. So uh, Barack Obama is going to sit with Al Roker for an interview on climate change. Next. Santa Monica. Santa Monica is now declared one of the least safe cities in California, according to a new survey. Because, see, that's the problem when you have no crime enforcement. It's just overflowing with needles and feces. This is a sad story. So a slain Florida mother, Cassie Carley, had planned to get her concealed carry permit out of fear for her safety, said her family. She'd actually been, she was getting ready to go and go through the process of getting her her concealed carry permit because she was concerned after her ex-boyfriend, who, by the way, has now been charged in connection with her death. Uh, he had been apparently like stalking her and had been very violent, had unpredictable behavior. And even though he had grown more cordial lately, she was still rightfully suspicious. But her life ended before that could happen. Guns save lives. Stay with us. Life is too short to spend mornings getting ready for work in boring clothes that you don't want to wear. Face it, your closet's full of business clothes that you're never going to wear again because informal is the new normal. So embrace the cozy with new Tommy John loungewear. And when you start your day in Tommy John's stylish joggers, their sweatshirts, their leggings, their pajama sets, you're just that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. Micro modal fabrics and extended inseams give you four-way stretch and limitless flexibility so you look good and you feel good all day long. Tommy John underwear moves with you thanks to the breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric that has four times the stretch of competing brands. And with over 17 million pairs sold, Tommy John does have customers, they have fanatics. And with Tommy John, returns and exchanges are free. With Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. It's Tommy John's anniversary month. So whether you're trying them for the first time or a longtime fan, get 25% off site-wide right now at tommyjohn.com slash Dana. Help celebrate with 25% off site-wide at tommyjohn.com slash Dana. That's tommyjohn.com slash Dana. See site for details. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Thank you, Jen. First on immigration, our team in Texas is uh, saying that you guys are starting to give smartphones to border crossers, hoping that they'll use the phones to check in or uh, to be tracked. Uh, which part of that is supposed to deter people from crossing illegally into the states? Well, I, I think you of all people, since you've asked me a range of questions on this topic over time, would recognize that we need to take steps to ensure that we know where individuals are and we can track in, and we can check in with them. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we have veterans that are on the streets here in the United States that need help. But if you come across the border illegally, illegally enter the country, then you get a free cell phone. And are they still doing the six figures of taxpayer dollars? I'm curious. Welcome back to the show. It's your lovable curmudgeon. It's your your living, breathing Daria. I'm Dana Lash. This is my show. Go and uh, sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, uh, chapter and verse. So 
I that is the that is that's like a big question. Curious about this. Curious. Okay, I want to switch it up because we're. I have a. We're going to get into some uh, Democrat issues and Biden Inc. But I have a cultural question for you. Okay. I always thought that the phrase Cracker Jack was applicable to men and women, right? Like, he's a real Cracker Jack. She's a real Cracker Jack. Somebody who knows their stuff. Somebody who is really good at what they do. Right? It's kind of how it is. Um, I don't know. So now they're the Cracker Jack candy people. They have a... Uh, I don't know. New thing. It's called Cracker Jill. I guess the difference is that there's no nuts. I don't know. So they... Well, it's true. Jill has Jill didn't have nuts, Kane. The Jackwood, I guess. It's just so stupid. So it's Frito Lay who makes it, and they said they had an ad about it. They said sometimes all it takes to believe you can do something is to see someone who looks like you do it first. That's what we call followers, kids, not leaders. Nobody gets that, right? That's the dumbest thing ever. You have to watch someone do it and then you do it. That's not leading that you following somebody. You Why do you have to have someone who looks like you on food items? I feel so badly about myself, but if only I saw someone who looked like me on the potato chip bag, then I would feel like I can go out and conquer everything in life. I mean, if you're looking for food to validate you, then you have some serious issues. You do. You have issues. You're a weak-ass bee if you have to sit here and find your feminine strength on a damn, you know, nut bag, which, irony of ironies, true. So they have the, um, they say, Legacy in Sports, Cracker Jack is proud to support the girls and women who are changing the face of the game with a new face of our own. Introducing Cracker Jill. Now, for real, when I first saw Cracker Jill, without even seeing the image, I just saw the thing trending. I was like, "Is okay, somebody named Jill got racially slurred. That was my first thought. Somebody was calling some woman named Jill a cracker. The first lady. Yeah, and then I then I was like, could it be Jill Biden? I don't know. Can they define women? Ooh, it's a tough one. Did anybody actually ask the Cracker Jack Frito-Lay people, can y'all define women? So they have a new song. They did it's not a new song. They redid the baseball song, Take Me Out of the Ball Game. And they just substituted Cracker Jill for Cracker Jack. And they act like, it's a new song. I think women are a little bit better than that, right? Women don't need to be like, we're going to take this song and just substitute one thing. And by the way, this shows women as being dumb. Cracker Jack is a basic adjective that is neither dude nor chick. It's an adjective. It's not a pronoun. It is an adjective. You look stupid when you don't know that. And you deserve to be ridiculed as I'm doing now. What woman sits around and hears an adjective and is like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's so sexist and I feel so unrepresented. No one goes, oh, he's a real cracker Jill. No one says that because it's stupid and it doesn't exist. They say, we hope have girls everywhere are inspired. I'm actually insulted because the whole thing is predicated upon a complete ignorance in the history of the adjective 
Don't play that song. Okay. Are you really going to do it? Do it. You want me to? I don't know. No. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jelly. That's so no stupid. I'm dead. Stop, you stop it. If you have the will, so let's You know what? I have every... I wish... Can I... I don't have enough middle fingers for this whole thing. And here's why. This is such a joke. You're disenfranchising women from women's sports, but you're going to just reappropriate... You're just going to, like, act stupid over what an adjective is and call an call an adjective-based candy Cracker Jill and think that's going to be enough? I was really upset about women losing places in NCAA swimming and women being kicked off of... Uh, Teams everywhere in favor of men. But hey, they changed the cartoon on a nutbag to that of a chick. So I feel completely, I feel like it's a fair trade. As long as I can eat a bag of nuts with a chick on it, then I feel totally okay. Popcorn too. Yeah. (laughs) Kane would like you to know that there's also popcorn too in the bag. But it's about the nuts, Kane. Come on. You know. I just, um. I think this is it's so this is so tacky. This is just it's tacky and I just can they define women? Someone's like you're missing the point. It's about raising something for women's sport. Raising what for women's sports? Karen what? Raising what for women's sports? Can you even define a women? Can you define it anymore? Nobody can define what a woman is. So why the hell do you care? This is stupid then. Nobody cares, right? Cracker Jill. God help us all. What other snacks can they ruin? What about uh Baby Ruth. Go after Baby Ruth. Lil Debbie. Oh, man. Lil Debbie, that's it. What about Lil Ken? I would not eat a snack cake from Lil Ken. Would you? No. I'd be afraid it'd be laced with fentanyl. Lil Ken. What about Wendy's? <laughs> what are they going to call that now? I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... The rebrand is, it's just lame and it just, it's, again, I'll not wrap with this. It's based on ignorance of an adjective. Cracker Jack was never designed to be, you know, exclusive and it was never, you know, nothing like, what. it was never, never supposed to be anything like that. What about Cracker They? I mean, it's so cringe. (sighs) <sighs> I note one of the comments says, I can't wait till Mr. Clean decides to come out with a Mrs. Clean line and they use Jada Pinkett Smith as their spokeswoman. <laughs> Did you know Will got a trophy of her? Sorry. Okay. I say that because I just, I find, I think that she's, I think she's high on her own farts. That's what I think. And I just don't like people who get all high up on themselves. You know. All right. So. And I will say, I like what, what, what Bill Maher said, even though I hate Bill Maher. I hate Bill Maher had said, you know, you have alopecia. You don't have a life-threatening illness. What I just went through was worse than what she was going through with alopecia. So i sorry. I mean, girl, get some perspective. But what Bill Maher said with all of that stuff, Bill Maher can go pound sand. He can go get bent. This is a guy who told, he repeated this lie. There was this pervert in Hollywood who had... I, he had emailed me and I think I remember getting an email from him and I'm like, this is sketchy. I had an agent. I have an agent at a major agency in, in L.A. So I don't 
need some Z-lister showrunner from L.A. that I've never met before. Never met this guy. And this was right after Parkland. And I guess this guy was having trouble getting stuff greenlit. And I don't know. But all of a sudden, he starts trading my name for clout. And he's like, oh, Dana Lash pitched me a reality show, which never literally ever happened. And all Daily Mail, which is a piece of excrement, all of these other Deadline Hollywood, all of these people repeated the story. No one ever contacted me to even verify it or get comment. And Bill Maher repeats it on his show like it's gospel. He's a piece of ass. I have zero respect for Bill Maher. And if I ever saw him, I'd slap the hell out of him because he does. He would deserve to get slapped. He would deserve the slap because he repeated it. And he like put it out there like gospel that some and I guess some pervert got mad that I didn't respond to his email. It's just weird. So, yeah, I got I got beef, legitimate beef with Bill Maher. I've been on his show before. He'd be too scared to have me on now. Uh, so moving on from this. Apparently, Nickelodeon and Disney are having a perv off. So you got Disney with their Nickelodeon was doing something, too. I'm looking looking this up. They were tweeting out all kinds of stuff and they have uh, all kinds of programming as well. And they're also promoting transitioning for the So for the trans day of, of visibility, they were promoting. What is it? I guess like a uh, it's a 12 year old. Oh, no, she first started transitioning at age eight. The child started transitioning at age eight. It is a male child who identifies as a girl. So he's he goes by the name of Rebecca. And uh, now they have like this whole thing that they were that they've been promoting on their Facebook page and elsewhere. And so I guess he started transitioning when he was eight years old. Uh and then they highlighted another individual. So that this is eight years old. Eight years old. Don't you think that's a little odd? Eight years old? It's a lot odd. Transitioning at eight? There's no nuance here? Like you're, you're starting to pump kids at eight with puberty blockers and hormones? Eight years old. It's just not... It's just... It does not even seem remotely safe <laughs> at all. At all. So I was looking at some of this stuff. I don't know like what I who really is the biggest. I mean, if are they having a competition, Disney and Nickelodeon? I'm curious. Is there a competition? And have you noticed, and I saw this too with some of people who are more like common sense, they're still, they're Democrats, but they're more moderate, I guess. But there was a huge fight yesterday with some of them because they, there was, there were certain Democrats who were looking at this Nickelodeon promotion of this eight-year-old who I guess is now 12. And they were saying it's, it seems to be, uh, inappropriate it's it's inappropriate for an eight-year-old to be pumped full of hormones and all of this stuff you know at this at this super young age and all of these other super far leftists were livid over this livid and no nuance just absolutely no nuance at all whatsoever 
And they said that it's odd that we can't even have a conversation about this. It's odd that you can't, the, the, the moderate Democrat was saying to, I guess, the really angry, raged out base that it's odd that, you know, they couldn't have a conversation about how, you know, yes, have respect for whatever, how people want to identify in the public, but maybe make a, you know, maybe make a, an exception for eight year olds and don't pump them full of hormones and, and, and put them through surgery, you know, at 12 years old when they start developing. That is just, it is odd. There was, um, and I've seen other people talk about this, like, oh, well, kids, uh, you know, they want to start, they don't want to, uh, in transitioning, let's talk about having surgery at age 13. Do you realize that you're still, even if you were to have surgery at age 13, you're still going through puberty and you're still going to develop even beyond that? Are you going to have another one? I mean, that's just, it's just so harmful. But the fact that the far left won't even allow any discussion over it. Again, this is that they're doing more to drive away their own moderates than anything else <sighs> all right we have i have a lot more we have tech nancy pelosi tested positive she's asymptomatic apparently according to her spokesperson we'll uh, we're gonna get into some of the latest with the bidens listen to this headline so there was a whistleblower that and this whistleblower was the one who handed hunter biden's laptop to congressman and he apparently has 400, he had 450 gigabytes of deleted material. He has all this, including 80,000 images and video. He fled to Switzerland because he is terrified of retaliation from the White House and the Bidens. We're going to talk about this coming up. A lot of questions still need to be answered. As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com, danasbeats.com. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Was it common for President Biden to do favors for Hunter Biden's international business partners, like writing college recommendations for their kids? I have, I've seen the report. I have no confirmation or comment on a report about whether or not the president, when he was a private citizen, wrote a college recommendation letter for an individual. I, a college recommendation letter, though, from, at the time, a former vice president would be a big deal. So do we know what the president might have gotten in return for doing a favor like that? Again, I have no a confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, not uh, serving in public office. That's even the report. But he's the president now, and you're his spokesperson. Correct. And he was not the president at the time of this report. So there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden. That 
you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. They were not office mates. I love it how they think that because it didn't happen during the specific time that Joe Biden was president that you can't ask questions about it. As though anything that he's done up until the time specifically that he was in the executive office, that it is completely irrelevant and you can't ask questions about it. That's that's like their their go to sort of that's their go to deflection with us. It's so dumb. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here because that's how she's handled not just that, but that's how she's handled so many other issues as it relates not just to Hunter Biden, but to the whole fam damnly. Anytime someone in the Biden family, what is it? There's this book, the book title that his sister's doing growing up Biden. They're trying to make them into the Kennedys. Every of all of these damn Democrat families, they so desperately want to be the Kennedys. They want to be some kind of European dynasty here growing up Biden. What the hell does that mean? What does that even mean? That's just dumb. You're not an institution. It's not like anybody identifies with what that name means. Good grief. We're going to talk a little bit about that here coming up. Also, how does it happen? That Jill Biden's Secret Service detail is infiltrated by fake agents who apparently had the money somehow to shower security personnel with gifts, including a $40,000 a year penthouse and a $2,000, they were like a $2,000 rifle. We're going to talk about this and more. So don't miss more of the Dana Show coming up. Never run out of coffee by joining the coffee club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as military members, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door free. So not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also get special discounted pricing and gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. If you're not sure which roast is best for you, take the Black Rifle Coffee quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your first coffee club purchase, coffee and select gear. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. So for the record, you favor HHS's funding being able for, to, for sex reassignment for surgeries on minors. I will do everything I can to defend any American, including children, whether or not they fit the categories you have mentioned or not. And if they talk about gender affirming care, I am there to protect the rights of any American. So, yes, that was Congresswoman Lauren Bobert asking Xavier Becerra, Used to be AG of California. Now he is head of HHS, which is so weird to me. I still don't understand how in the hell that guy. AG of California, and he's head of Health and Human Services. Someone explain that. He believes that taxpayer funding should be, is okay for elective sex reassignment surgery. Welcome back to the program. I'm Dana Lash. It's good to be with you. I say this because I know I have a friend right now who's going through some issues, and because she is somebody who dealt with pandemic jobs and stuff, and she's got, you know, health things coming up and you know that's not covered by hhs but i guess if she were to be a woman who wanted to have a sex reassignment surgery as a man then that would be covered by hhs i mean you have people out there who can't even afford their medications but you have xavier becerra saying that he actually wants to protect the like 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 it's not our money 
He wants to protect uh, those people who want to have elective non-medically necessary surgeries to receive taxpayer funding through Health and Human Services to do that. And I find that just grotesque. Grotesque that people who actually need medically, like medically necessary surgery and for whatever reason, be it job loss with the pandemic or whatever, they struggle with affording it. And people who don't need medically necessary surgery because they're confused about their gender and do not present it as medically necessary. It is not. I just, to me, the redefining of what is medically necessary and what isn't in the face of people whose lives actually depend, I mean, life-saving surgeries, is grotesque to me. It is offensive. And how can you even, I don't even understand how you can determine what funding goes where. If you can't even define what a woman is, then how can you, you know, determine what, who needs surgery for what, right? If you can't define what is or isn't a woman, then how are you figuring out what surgery for what? I mean, isn't that kind of, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate question. That wasn't even there. There was another question that she had asked. Uh, And welcome back, first off, to the program, second hour of the show. I'm Dana Lash, and it's good to be with you this Thursday. Here Here was another question. This was during a hearing yesterday before a House subcommittee. Congresswoman Bobert asked, again, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, so what's a man? Listen to this. As a Secretary of Health and Human Services, can you define for this committee what is a man? You're looking at one. Great. So you are a man. I like that. Can you tell me, can men get pregnant? Unless you know something I don't, uh, I think the answer is pretty obvious. What is that answer, sir? I'm asking you, is there something you know that I don't know that would say that a man... Well, I'm asking what you know. Can men get pregnant? I'm not aware of it. Okay. Well, um, Mr. Secretary, materials coming from your department, you've referred to mothers as as birthing persons, replacing that title with... Are, Are mothers not persons? Mothers are persons, but it seems to be more inclusive, like you're trying to include another gender in that. I'm all about inclusion, Congresswoman. There you go. So what, if, if I was Congresswoman Bobert, I would have said, well, well, women are persons, but only women can have children. Do you disagree with that? Right. That's how they try to get around it. Well, aren't women persons? Please, son. No, 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 no. Women are persons, but only women. Only women can get pregnant and have children. Do you disagree? Yes or no? He was being smart aleck with her. Do you know something I don't? This isn't about finding out what I know as opposed to what you know. I'm asking what you know because you're secretary of a taxpayer-funded department that's sending out some pretty confusing material. And taxpayers have questions. And it's my job as congressperson to get to the bottom of that. So I'm asking you again. Answer the question. That was good. That was good Q&A. But do you see, I mean, it's, it's, do you see this? It is um, hard for them to maintain it. He, to me, he doesn't seem to be as far left as Kentonji Brown Jackson, but he's willing to play that game. So there's an important distinction. It doesn't matter how personally far left they are. If they're willing to play that game, that's what counts. 
I'm all about inclusion. Based on what? Science or feelings? Inclusion of what? You're willing to include people in the definition of biological actions that aren't actually attributed to them according to their chromosomes and physiology and anatomy on the basis of what? And we're spending taxpayer dollars on this? If we're spending taxpayer dollars on something that's not based in medicine or science, then pray tell, tell me why your department is allocating taxpayer dollars for anything. Because you're, you're specifically limited to... By the way, this is also why all of these stupid departments, as I said, well, it's kind of redundant, are stupid. Why do we have all of this stuff? So much. So th- I don't like federal entities that regulate health and human services. If you're going to do something like this, have it at a state level. Do you see how hard it is to have accountability for these big, giant federal behemoths? That's a whole reason why the founders did not want centralized government, and they did not want something like this. The only thing that was centralized was the defense of the states. That's it. Now, did you hear the story of this guy who has all this stuff? He's the whistleblower who handed in that laptop, right? Jack Maxey. And he gave some of these uh, media institutions a copy of this hard drive in the spring spring of last year. So for the past few weeks, this guy's been hiding, hiding in Zurich. He's been working with IT experts to dig out more data from what he calls the laptop from hell. He says there's 450 gigabytes of erased material, including 80,000 images and videos and more than 120,000 archived emails. Now, he says he's worried about retaliation from the Biden administration. I believe it. I don't think the Bidens are smart enough to pull a Hillary, but I do think they're, they are as mean. I can't even imagine what uh, there is. I can't even imagine what he says he's going to put it all in a searchable database in the coming weeks. I live for searchable databases. The only thing is this. Here's my only complaint. There are enough nasty photos of this dude out there, of Hunter Biden out there. Kane, can we as a country withstand having more of this nastiness? Because, uh, Well, I could speak for myself personally. And, uh, yeah, no. Uh, the, I can't imagine what the emails would be like. And you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, there's so much. The idea that, that Joe Biden doesn't uh, know anything about Hunter's business. I mean, the email between Hunter Biden and Eric Schwerin, who was his business partner at Rosemont uh, uh, Seneca, Eric Schwerin was working on Joe Biden's taxes. He emailed Hunter Biden about it. He said, and this was from June 10th, 2010, quote, your dad's Delaware tax refund check came today. I'm depositing it in his account and writing a check in that amount back to you since he owes it to you. Don't think I need to run it by him, but if you want to, go ahead. If not, I'll deposit tomorrow. I mean, they did business together. There are too many emails that are out here showing that they did business together. This wasn't, you know, like a one-off. They, they, had this, they used the same accountants. They had all of this. Of course he's the big guy. I I would be worried if I was this guy too. Look what just look what they did to uh, Project Veritas. 
And that's when Ashley Biden left her diary somewhere, which I think is so weird. It's weird. Now, speaking of the fam there, his sister's cashing in. So Biden Inc., the sister wrote a book, Valerie Biden Owens. Jeez. The grift is strong within this bunch. So his youngest sister is, uh, well, she's got this book, Growing Up Biden. And she doesn't go by Valerie Biden Owens, her married name. She drops Owens. Of course course she does. And so her book is, I know. And so she's, uh, it's her memoir. Nobody even knows who the hell this woman is. Don't you have to be, I mean, shouldn't you kind of be well-known to write a memoir? So this is how she, her snippet, she's like, it's a, she says, she promotes it as, it's a memoir from Valerie Biden, Joe Biden's younger sister, trusted confidant and lifelong campaign manager. Valerie, one of the first female campaign managers in United States history. That's her big grab. That's so lame. Jeez. I can't stand that stuff. I can't stand it. It's like when people sit here and they they tell me, oh, you're the number one radio talk show host in the world. You're number one female talk show host in the world. And I'm like, no, female's not. I'm not going to be. I don't want to foot like a JV thing. I mean, technically, it's, you know, we're number one day part because we didn't inherit anybody's audience. But I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like that whole asterisk of female as though because she wouldn't even be in there if it wasn't for life first female that's like some elizabeth warren stuff i was the first nursing mother at harvard that's just so dumb stop it but they say she writes about um the role she played in her brother's life as an insightful advisor and ever loyal advocate and best friend is anyone interested that much in hunter or in joe biden to read something like this no no they're not but she's pushing it. She's out pushing it. I'm wondering if they touch on the big guy at all. I'm wondering. Curious. I wonder if they, uh, I'm just, you know, wondering. So they have, and then her daughters that uh, worked on Joe Biden's campaign. They got paid tens of thousands of dollars, apparently. And Valerie Owens she was paid through a third party. It was a Democrat consulting firm. Uh, Joe Slade White and Company. She served as EVP. She got a, uh, over two and a half million from the campaign and the Citizens for Biden Committee. And then her daughters got tens of thousands of dollars working on the campaign. Oh my gosh. It was a cottage industry. Her husband, Jack Owens, cashed in. He uh, made a lot of money, and apparently he has emails between himself and Hunter Biden uh, securing a Chinese business license so he could expand his telemedicine company into China via Red State. How odd. Now, remember, the idea that Biden was completely unaware doesn't really add up. Because, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here coming up. We, uh, we're also going to talk to Geert Vandenbosch as well at the bottom of the hour. Just crazy, craziness. I, there's so much on this. I hope he gets, I hope he has to go testify. He ought to. We all know it's him. Why are we all acting like it's, you know, it's him. Come on. Uh, we have a lot more to come, including some uh, green energy, st- 
green energy stuff. We got some of the latest going on in the war in Ukraine and uh, wokeness, culture, all kinds. While the media and political class are obsessed with supporting anything and everything that's outside of America, it's important that we focus on our country, our families, and the businesses which need your support. And this is why I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer broad nationwide coverage. In fact, they use the same powers as the major carriers, so you get the same great nationwide coverage. Plus, you also get peace of mind that your money is supporting your right to free speech. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. More importantly, Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations that fight for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, and our veteran and first responders. Visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so make the switch today. Support a company that shares your values. Visit PatriotMobile.com Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT today. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So television is expected to die with its audience, experts are saying, as younger people are switching to more interactive forms of entertainment, like the metaverse, the collection of virtual worlds and online gaming platforms where people spend more time in these worlds than watch TV. I agree with this because I don't hardly watch TV at all. I spend almost all of my time either I'll stream something specifically or I'll play a game or something like that. I don't ever, I don't watch TV at all. I never, I do not just leave the television on. It's just weird. It's just so much different. And and it's going to get more like that too, especially with younger generations. That's something we're going to talk about in the days to come. NBC's news boss is forced to hold an emergency meeting with journalists because they said hiring Jen Psaki as a host would tarnish the brand. Not because they think that she's progressive or they don't like her, but because of the optics, obviously. How in the world are you having someone who's fielding questions as the White House spokesperson while simultaneously in discussions with the news entity, one of who is asking questions at said press availabilities? I mean, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there, don't you think? And that is what they are objecting to. Uh, Oh, gosh. A solid chocolate bunny was used as a weapon in an assault on a store clerk. The solid chocolate bunnies are no joke, man. They're heavy and they you can you can smack somebody with them. The employee suffered minor injuries and the 27 year old assailant was arrested and the stolen merchandise was recovered. Uh, but it, it well, that's exactly what happened. Someone tried to shoplift a Mr. Solid. That's just literally the name. Mr. Solid. Would you buy that? An ed- anything consumable from a Mr. Solid brand chocolate bunny? The employee got minor injuries, as I said. There was, and it was all on CCTV. We have a lot more on the way. Geert Vandenbosch joins us because how how are we going from innocuous Omicron to a deadlier variant? We're going to have him explain. The end of 2021 saw inflation rise by almost 7% in just one month. And that means in 30 days, your dollar became 93 cents. This year, the stock market has been dangerously volatile. Gold provides a hedge against inflation, which is why you should trust legacy precious metals for investing in gold and silver. Inflation isn't slowing down. It's escalating. Trust legacy precious metals to give you unbiased counsel based on your personal situation. It's time to be proactive and take steps to protect yourself. Legacy precious metals 
models will advise you on all of your options, whether that's rolling your existing retirement account into a gold IRA or whether that's holding physical metals directly in your home. Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. The number is 866-580-2088 or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Protect your family's wealth with Legacy Precious Metals. Call 866-580-2088 or visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, I mean, obviously, it would be very important to know the number of people who have been infected in this country. If you do zero surveys and look at the people who have either been vaccinated or who have been infected and have what's called an indication of immunity, which can be easily measured by looking at the antibody response, you're talking about a very, very high percentage of the population, perhaps even as high as 90 percent. Oh, so that's Dr. Fauci, who's now saying that maybe perhaps 90 percent of people may have coronavirus immunity, either from obviously prior infection. But notice how he's like, oh, you know, and then the vaccine, too, which we've had endless discussions on. Welcome back to the program. I'm Dana Lash. Good to be with you this Thursday. So here's the big question that we were kind of kicking around back and forth. And we've talked about this um, in these past couple of weeks because there are an increasingly uh, is an increasing number of headlines that discuss new variants and how, oh, there's deadlier variants that are coming. And from that, we see this push from government officials that, well, maybe we should start with the vaccine push again, because it seemed that there was a lull. Germany, as I understand, for instance, uh, they just rejected a compulsory vaccination bill, 378 to 296. So that the, the vaccine mandate's dead in Germany. Uh, and that was just a that was some several hours ago. So, well, you know, for while they were still in session. But w- from this, from all of these headlines about the this increasingly deadly new variant uh, that uh, more virulent that it's uh, now maybe we should start talking about vaccine mandates again. But my question is, how do we go from something that seemed to be a lot more innocuous than the other variants, Omicron? How does that how do we go from Omicron, which seemingly naturally vaccinated everybody to now we have a deadlier variant? What are what's what goes into that? I have a million questions. And of course, our very good friend, Dr. Geert Vandenbosch, who is so generous with his time and he has a repository of information. His expertise is in this. He a PhD in virology, certified expert in microbiology and infectious diseases. And he's also he's been head of vaccine development. He's worked with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation before, and he's been one of the voices in the wilderness speaking out about the abuses of the human immune uh, human immunity with uh, Big Pharma and so many other things. And we're so happy to have him back. Dr. Vandenbosch, thank you so much for joining us. How do you answer that question? And am I getting it wrong? Because how do you go from something so innocuous like Omicron to now we see headlines about deadlier variants and now government officials once again are starting to talk about vaccine mandates? Yeah, first of all, thanks, uh, Dana, for uh, having me on, on the program again. Well, uh, let's say these things are, uh, they, well, the problem always is that the complexity of what's going on is uh, is not well understood. And according to my humble opinion, we are right now in a kind of transition phase where, remember, initially Omicron, as you were pointing out, uh, was uh, pretty mild, uh, high uh, cost, uh, high infection rate. 
but uh, pretty mild. And uh, now we're seeing in a number of countries, of course, uh, high morbidity rates and uh, some higher death rates, etc. I still don't think that that is what I'm warning against, namely the emergence of uh, variants that are going to be not only more infectious, but also more virulent. What I think is happening right now, and that's why I'm saying it's kind of like a transition phase, is that you have to imagine we right, right now, we have like a, a life attenuated vaccine circulating, the Omicron. Mm -hmm. And um, you never, ever, you never, ever, as a vaccinologist, vaccinate people with a life attenuated vaccine. Remember, most of our childhood vaccines are life attenuated right. vaccines. When that person is not in very good and perfect health, because we know because of the virus is life attenuated, if that person is not in very good health, it can cause the disease, even if it is life attenuated. So I think what we are seeing right now in some of the countries is that um, people who have not been vaccinated, because remember, it still protects against severe disease, and who are not in very good health, unvaccinated, are now all of a sudden confronted with a kind of life attenuated vaccine, whereas their, their, their health is not in perfect shape, right? Mm. So that may cause all of a sudden a big wave with considerable amounts of, uh, of disease and even death. That is on the non-vaccinated side. On the vaccinated side, of course, we know that the vaccines protect to some extent against severe disease, although that is not sterilizing immunity, and that is the problem, of course. But some of these people also have declining antibody titers. And what we know, what we know, and that is important for your audience to understand, is that right now, there is more and more resistance of the virus of Omicron to the vaccine. So that means that more and more people are having non-neutralizing antibodies. We have neutralizing antibodies and we have non-neutralizing antibodies. The higher the resistance to the neutralizing antibodies, the stronger the non-neutralizing antibodies are going to bind to the virus. And there is now a lot of evidence, indirect evidence from very interesting studies that points to the fact that these non-neutralizing antibodies could prevent the virulence of the virus, could prevent the virus from causing severe disease. So you can imagine now that some people, vaccinees, are sitting on declining antibody titers and are less protected against severe disease because these non-neutralizing antibodies are declining as well. Mm -hmm. See. But that is still, it's, it's still not a situation, uh, you know, against which I'm, I'm warning is that ultimately because of all this infectious, this immune pressure, because we continue to vaccinate, we are going or the virus is going to evolve to something that will be really very infectious and also very virulent. Because remember, we are increasing the infectious pressure, the only way for the virus that can still replicate, you know, or the vaccines are not sterilizing, it will find a way to increase the number of disease, severity of disease, and still its infectiousness to overcome the increasing immune pressure that we are putting by boosting people, for example, by the Omicron itself that is boosting, that is a booster. And uh, of course, also uh, by uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, many of these uh, people have now waning immunity. So um, so that is, that is what is uh, really very, very worrisome that we are entering in a kind of vicious circle. 
where we will increase the immune pressure because we still vaccinate more and more people. So by boosting them or by Omicron circulating, we will boost especially the non-neutralizing antibodies. Why? Because I was just saying we have we are sitting in a situation where we are we have highly vaccinated populations with a lot of resistance to the virus. So very a lot of non-neutralizing antibodies that are boosted. These non-neutralizing antibodies, they also, this has been shown by a fantastic uh, French professor, Fantini is his name, who has shown that these antibodies, these non-neutralizing antibodies, by binding to the virus, not only limit the virulence of the virus, but also cause enhanced infectiousness and cause, in fact, antibody-dependent enhancement of infection. So if these antibodies increase, the vaccinees are going to become more susceptible to the virus. More susceptible to the virus means the likelihood of getting infected is increasing and therefore the boosting effect is increasing. You see, you are entering into a kind of snowball effect that is you know, becoming bigger and bigger. And that is why I'm even saying that for me, it will not take a long time before we are going to see in one of these countries, highly vaccinated countries, that uh, we that a highly infectious, highly virulent strain will pop up and become dominant and become dominant. Boy, we're talking with Dr. Geert van den Bosch, uh, and and we were asking him about uh, you know the 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 trajectory of Omicron to something that's you know way more virulent. So we're I mean essentially we are creating a dependency. I mean, for the lack of a better way to put it, we are within ourselves because of the policies towards this and the the massive vaccination during this pandemic, as you were just explaining, we've we've created kind of a dependency. It's and so it's always going to be circular. We're we're going to continue to having this as long yeah. as we have this approach. That's exactly correct what you're saying, Diana. And that is why I'm saying all this is due to the fact that this interplay between the infectious pressure that the virus is putting and the immune pressure that the population is putting, that this interplay is not understood. And everybody is worried about, of course, and legitimately about side effects, about lack of effectiveness of the vaccines, etc. But frankly speaking, the thing that I am talking about, generating a virus that will be highly infectious, highly virulent, and resistant to any kind of, of COVID-19 vaccine, that is far, far more dramatic than uh, the side effects and, and the lack of effectiveness, etc. But these are things that are tangible right now that you can measure right now. The things I'm talking about, they are in future, of course, but that is the end station where this virus is going. We have profoundly disturbed this ecosystem, this viral host ecosystem and i you know people think omicron uh, is a sign that now the pandemic is 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 waning and is disappearing that is not true at all you can never i told you it is in a previous session that you can never tame a pandemic if you cannot dramatically diminish the infectious pressure so we are sitting on high infectious pressure even if the waves go down you see they don't join the baseline anymore and then they have gone down and just one or two weeks thereafter there is the next wave that starts so the infectious pressure remains very very high in that situation you can never ever end the pandemic so the vicious circle is 
we are increasing the immune pressure. And because the immune pressure is now due to non-neutralizing antibodies that bind to the virus, as I said, antibody-dependent enhancement of infection, you increase the susceptibility to infection, and hence you will have a boost effect, right? And, and that is a vicious circle that you can only disrupt provided you replace as soon as possible, for God's sake, these mass vaccination campaigns by mass antiviral prophylaxis, right? Or, or the virus will do its job and it will induce the immune pressure. So the infectious pressure and the immune pressure are intrinsically linked. Either you diminish the infectious pressure, that you can do, mankind can do, we can do this, we can reduce the viral population. If that doesn't happen, a new equilibrium will be established where the virus will diminish the immune pressure. The way that happens is, you know, yeah. is yeah. by reducing the population. I'm, I'm afraid to say this. I'm, I'm really afraid to say this, but it, it's more than time that we intervene with mass you know, antiviral prophylaxis, right? And this makes we sense. We need to reduce this infectious pressure. This makes sense. And I we're speaking with Dr. Geert Vandenbosch, and and I love the way that you, Doctor, you take because it's a very complex issue, but you explain it so well. Um, it, it, you've published numerous articles on this, and I hope people go and read Dr. Vandenbosch's Substack as well. Um, we're 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 coming towards the end of this segment. When and any time that you ever any of any time you know this, any time you have any work that you would love to discuss on the program, we would love to have you talk about this. What, when you you were mentioning, you know the 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 last step of this, if this if the if 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 the world of our governing governing bodies keep on this same path, uh, because you know population reduction that's a terrifying thing to think about. But in terms of a timeline, if nothing changes, I mean, how far out does that look to you? Well, it doesn't uh, look far out to me, uh, Dana, for the reason that I was saying. You have already seen this. You know, we had uh, well a relatively moderate progression from alpha, beta, gamma to delta, etc. Mm -hmm. Then from delta to omicron, it went already pretty fast. Now, what I'm saying is that we continue to put this virus under pressure, and the more pressure we put, you know, the more infectious or the more susceptible the population becomes for reinfection, and that that is a snowball effect. It will accelerate very, very rapidly. So my guess, of course, there I don't have a crystal ball, but you know, I, I think if it would be tomorrow that one of these very dangerous mutants uh, is, is, is identified in one of these highly vaccinated countries, I would not be surprised. I cannot imagine that this is not going to happen within the next months. Oh my God. Uh, I, I'm really afraid to say this, but that is, and, and again, for the audience, I've, uh, I've written a, a very detailed uh, document that is on our website on my predictions it's really all based on science on peer review journals so this time if if guys want to fact check me they will need to fact check these peer review journals because that is what i took as the basis for my prediction so it is just putting all these highly reliable and scientific pieces together to build this prediction. We need predictions because if we don't know what's going to happen in the future, we cannot anticipate, right? Exactly. You have to be able to be proactive and you have to be able to anticipate exactly. what's coming so you can be prepared for it. And and to Dr. Vandenbosch's point, I was looking at the um, 
uh, the tracking. It's over at The Economist of the fatalities in numerous countries of uh, from the virus. And, and up, it was just updated a couple of days ago. And exactly what you're talking about in terms of fatalities and, and more highly vaccinated countries. It's I mean, it's it's exactly there in, in hard data. Dr. Garrett Vandenbosch, I hope people go and uh, read your work. I know they will uh, and follow you on Twitter as well at GVD Bosch, B-O-S-S-C-H-E. Dr. Vandenbosch, I always wish that we had more time. It's super, super informative. And thank you so much for your voice on this because you've really added uh, a reasonable and science-based perspective to something mm-hmm. that uh, I think has been pushed just to the bounds, beyond, almost beyond our control. So thank you so much for joining us on this. We really appreciate it. I thank you as well, uh, Dana, for uh, helping us to spread the word. It's, it's really important. Thank you so much. Of course. Take good care. Of course. Good to see you. Take good care. Good to see you. Take care. The mainstream media does not cover some of the most important news of the day. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I talk about how in the Democrats' search for a new villain, they have found their way back to Donald Trump. The U.S.-Mexico border is a disaster that's only going to get worse, and reporters are getting scrutinized for asking really, really simple questions at White House press briefings. Do not forget to download and subscribe to my daily No Chit Chat podcast to hear the news of the day, politics to public issues, I don't shy away from the truth. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Okay, so first up, a uh, guy decides to drive his electric scooter directly into Hillsborough River in Tampa, Florida. I I don't know how much you got to have to drink before something like this happens. He's on his electric scooter. He's going really, really fast and just right into the river on purpose. It was not even an accident. Like he went down a ramp and then off the dock and right into the river. Uh, I'm surprised. Like, how does that not? I mean, it's electric. How does that not electrocute you? And also WFLA says that uh, there needs to be a... Well, this is the wrong link. It's not coming up. A man tried to eat drugs that they were flushing down the toilet. We'll talk about that tomorrow. When she was in the federal public defender's office, she said that she was assigned four cases involving terrorists. But one of those cases she continued to represent when she was in private practice and could choose her own clients. She took on two more matters in which she signed friends of the court briefs in which she was advocating on behalf of Guantanamo terrorists. So that is three cases in which she voluntarily advocated for the terrorists at Guantanamo Bay in which she accused American soldiers of committing war crimes. I frankly have no patience for it. Mm. And now that's uh, Senator Tom Cotton and now the Senate is voting on Kentonji Brown Jackson. And so we'll be seeing how this all plays out. Welcome back to the show, third hour of the program. And it is good to be with you this Thursday. And I just, and we'll be watching all of this, but remember this was forced to the, this was allowed to pass to the Senate floor for a vote because of Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney, who is just not, ever satisfied with uh, however much he's betrayed his own party. Or, I mean, I just don't know how he can, I mean, how is he, surely that's not something representative of the, you know, people of of Utah, but who knows. So the, the 
we'll follow all of this, all of the the votes, everything else, and um, bring you the latest. But they're voting. It's started right now, so we'll see. We'll we'll probably have a we'll have an update probably this hour. So we'll get into all of that. Yeah, our, it's just going to be odd. It it would be odd to have someone sitting on the Supreme Court who could not or was not willing to define either what a woman was or to acknowledge what natural rights are versus civil rights. Natural rights meaning these are rights that you are endowed with by nature of being a citizen, right? So civil rights are created, are rights given to you, allowed to you, and created by men in a court, by people in a court. Natural rights are rights that are untouchable. This is why we say you know, free speech and your right to bear arms and you know, your right to uh, uh, freely assemble and rights of a free press and to freely worship, you know, exercise of religion, all of that stuff. Those are, these are considered natural rights. These are not things that were granted to you by a court of your peers. You have them. That's the difference between natural and civil rights. And to have a judge, to have somebody who's nominated to the court, who neither recognizes nor understands that. And I don't believe that she's stupid. I don't think that Kentanji Brown Jackson is stupid. I think she's disingenuous, which, which in my opinion is worse than stupidity. To be, it's worse than stupidity. Because if you're disingenuous, you know better and you do it anyway. And so that's a, that's a, that's a serious offense. And to not know that, that's one of the, that's a cornerstone of our republic. I mean, that's one of the things that, that uh, it keeps us free. These things keep us free. They're not given to us in the Constitution. I don't even like the word enshrined to describe it. I know a lot of people say that. They're enshrined in the Constitution. The Constitution merely affirms what we have. And then acknowledges. Enshrine is to preserve. And the Constitution doesn't even preserve. It just acknowledges what we already have. So I don't even think the word enshrined is accurate. But for her to not know this, for her to not recognize this, I'm not even, I mean, you want to talk about being unqualified. Now, I think that if Kintanji Brown Jackson is confirmed. I'm not quite sure that any other leftist justice on that court could say that they are the most radical anymore. Because I think it was maybe what? Kagan? Kagan and, and Sotomayor kind of were going back and forth as to who possibly could be the, the most radical of the two. I really don't. I think it's going to be her. I think it, it, it would be her. So we'll see. But it's definitely, and they're, like I said, they're voting now. Definitely, uh, I, I, I just, there's so many things. I'm just like going over in my mind all of the court cases that are coming up. You know, the Supreme Court started hearing that New York case, the 2A case in New York. They heard oral arguments. They've started that. You know, if Roe v. Wade is overturned in full because... It's was kind of a messed up sort of legal ruling. 
um, how is that going to be? How is that going to be determined? Now, granted, the inclusion of Kentonji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court doesn't change the makeup of the court, but don't think for one second that that's not going to move the context through which the court as a whole is going to be determining things. It's it decidedly. I mean, the court is, you could say that the court is as conservative as its most conservative member. And the court is as leftist as its most leftist member. Well, it just got a hell of a lot more left if she's confirmed. Think about that. A lot, a lot more left. So, we'll watch that and we'll bring you any updates that we have on it. But very, you know, very important. But it's going to, she's, I mean, that's where it's going to be at. They're voting to confirm her today. Now, one thing to, uh, another thing about this as well. Uh, there, when I was looking at this quote from Romney, and this is a uh, tweet from Chad Pergram. He said on, and this was a couple of days ago, he said Romney on voting for Jackson in her previous confirmation vote. He said he had concerns about whether or not she was in the mainstream. And he goes, having spent time with her personally and reviewing her testimony before Congress, he became convinced that she's in the mainstream. Mitt Romney says this. He goes, we're following a different standard today than we followed 20 years ago when individuals were judged based simply upon their qualifications. And now we're looking to determine something about other matters. Okay, well, don't you think this is where I think Romney is clueless. I think Mitt Romney is one of the most dis- disingenuous people that's out there. I think he's incredibly disingenuous. And I think that this is not making a judgment based on someone's mere qualifications. Well, I think actually that's what this is. What I meant to say is this is not some, making a judgment basically about looking for some, you know, some other matter. It is a qualification as to whether or not you can you can acknowledge the what 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 decades of jurisprudence are predicated upon or what natural rights what what the meaning of that that is part of a qualification that's not determining an ideological stance here's the problem with the left that republicans like mitt romney go along with the left loves to redefine the battle the rhetorical battlefield and they love to redefine terms They like to take things that are known and established and turn them into theories. And then they take theories and try to turn that into established fact, i.e. climate change. Or taking something like natural rights and turning that into just mere legal speculation. That's a major problem that he is aiding and abetting right here. By saying that, well, I go along with their, their rhetoric. Yes, we're looking for something else. How is determining whether or not you believe and recognize the difference between natural and civil rights looking for something else and not merely a sign of qualification? If you're unable to define the difference between those and you're taking your bar exam, don't you think that you would be disqualified? Don't you think you would get that wrong? Don't you think that that would, I mean, for the love. That's like the entire basis of your, of, of what you do. And how, how are you able to adjudicate something? I'm just so not a Mitt Romney fan. Not at all. And it's not mainstream to disregard years of of jurisprudence. That's not mainstream. So what is he talking about? Would love to know. Don't know what he's talking about. (sighs) But this is what we have to deal with. 
All right, a couple of other things. How did two guys get close to the first lady and were able to pose as federal agents and give all these gifts to Secret Service? This story really bothers me. And I, I don't care who you have in the White House. If it's a, well, I mean, I do, but that's not what I mean by this. Whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, there's a reason why we so strongly protect our process because it makes us different from a third world country that has riots and coups and everything else. Although we tried to, they tried to have one in 2016. But so Jill Biden's Secret Service detail was entirely compromised. Two fake agents showered members of Secret Service with all these gifts, apparently. Uh, they had two people. Hader Ali, 36, Arian, I can't say the last name, 40, taken into custody, a dozen FBI agents. There was, uh, yesterday, there were tweets coming out showing all these FBI agents around this luxury apartment building, and everyone was like, what's going on? What's going on? Well, this is what, what it was. They were, they were, they raided it and they arrested these guys. And the pair, their nationalities were not revealed. They're said to have driven around an official-looking SUV equipped with flashing lights. They, they posed as members of Department of Homeland Security Task Force investigating gang violence. They ingratiated themselves with Secret Service agents. They supplied the Secret Service agents with rent-free luxury apartments, high-end electronics, and policing equipment. Four members of the agency, including the First Lady's bodyguard, have been placed on leave. And in one instance, one of the individuals offered a member of Jill Biden's security detail, gave them uh, all kinds of stuff, penthouse, apartment, weapons, all kinds of stuff. I, I don't even, how in the world, how they ever managed to get in and ingratiate themselves with one of the most protected people in the world, I just don't know. So they were arrested. And I mean, people, I don't even know where they got, where did they get the cash to pay for all this stuff? All these penthouse apartments, all the electronics, where do they get this? Apparently, the uh, one of them, one of uh, Jill Biden's security detail borrowed the SUV, one of the SUVs that one of these guys had, and he said it was his government vehicle. The, the Secret Service agent's wife borrowed it. This is so wild. They, were, they have uh, official-looking DHS ID cards, all kinds of stuff. They had fake websites set up to support their claim that they were members of special police. And apparently they conned an unnamed applicant to join their Homeland Security Task Force they invented. Nobody knows where they got this money from. And the recruitment process... They said that they, like, apparently they worked with a contractor at Department of Defense. What in the world? How does this happen? And it started, so the re, what tipped them off, it started on March 14th. Uh, Postal Service began investigating a mail carrier at where these guys live. And residents said that, oh, there's DHS agents here that may have witnessed the assault on this mail carrier. And that's how, apparently how it all started. So there are, I, I mean, I would love to have, I, ha, I have no idea how this happened. How did they get all this money? And this went on for two years. 
Nobody alerted the feds to anything. It was a mail worker that apparently exposed all of this. Can you, what, what would have happened? This, I think, is incredibly dangerous. Now, I'll say it. The guys, their names are Iranian. So I don't even know what in the world. I mean, was this, remember, Tom Rogan had this piece real quick before we get to get going. And the Washington Examiner, uh, Examiner, and this was just last, uh, this was just in March. Here was the headline. Iran plotting assassination of John Bolton and others even while Biden negotiates a nuclear deal. Is that related? I got questions. Senate apparently just confirmed Biden's Supreme Court pick as well. Kentanji Brown-Jackson will be going on the Supreme Court. We got all that and more coming up. You don't want to miss. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Well, if you are just joining us, and you, if you're like halfway through the hour, welcome back to the show first off. But Kentanji Brown-Jackson was just confirmed as Supreme Court as a Supreme Court justice to replace the retiring Associate Justice Stephen Breyer in a vote 53 to 47. And she was she was supported by Republican Senator Mitt Romney, Republican Senator Susan Collins, and Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski. And Senator Ron Paul was the last senator to cast a final vote while everyone waited for him to arrive before gaveling. So... Very, we're going to talk more about this here coming up. So that's just the latest on that. I told you it'd be within this hour. Also, and some other headlines that we have here. The uh, Amazon and other, uh, Amazon Alphabet and some other companies are quietly rolling out drone delivery across America. As their tech becomes faster and more reliable, they're looking to expand, not just in cities, even in rural areas. Manure is a hot commodity as Americans face a fertilizer shortage caused by the war in Ukraine. Cattle feeders that sell waste are sold out through the end of the year and so-called honey wagon sales are booming. I feel like I need to get a cow and get into that market, Kane. Really do feel that way. Uber is chasing expansion. They're looking to create a travel super app and not just have cars but also planes, trains, and rental vehicles as well. That's actually, that's, I mean, that's understandable. I think it's a good idea, but man, we're in a whole new world. Coming up, Kentanji Brown-Jackson confirmed to Supreme Court. What does that mean? Stay with us. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. On this vote, the A's are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. So, just another random birthing person on the court. Don't celebrate Kentanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation as being the first black female. No, no, no. You don't get to celebrate female or anything else when people can just identify as whatever the hell they want to. Don't think so. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. That was the vice president announcing how Kentanji, Kentanji Brown-Jackson, 53 to 47, has been confirmed as an associate justice of the Supreme Court, replacing retiring Senator, or sorry, Justice Breyer. Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and, and Susan Collins all voted with Democrats. Mitt Romney voted for Kentanji Brown-Jackson. Mitt Romney is a modern-day Pharisees. Dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. Sorry, I just really like that South Park song. Just saying. 
he's a modern day Pharisees. I have zero respect for Mitt Romney. I think that he puts on a really good force, a really good face, but I think he's petty. I think people got mad and they said Trump was petty. Y'all don't know petty until you've dealt with Mitt Romney. I speak with from personal experience. So this, um, the time's passed. It's passed now. We got to put it, we got, we got to put it on a stinger. So, I mean, it's just a random, random birthing person, right? I'm sure she's going to recuse herself from any case that may come before SCOTUS relating to sex. And she's incapable of uh, defining women, right? I'm pretty sure. So I'm, 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 I'm positive. Well, maybe she'll be, I don't know. They're, the left is very situational in terms of how they try to define you know, yeah, I feel bad for women's sports. The thing that gets me about Mitt Romney, and we were talking about this quote that Chad Pergram had from him where he was saying, well, she's, uh, you know, she's, you know, mainstream and we're not talking about ideology. You know, we're talking about qualifications. But you have to understand that re- that recognizing established law is is part of that's mainstream. She's she is her. And she absolutely does have an ideology. She was saying that throughout this whole thing, she didn't have an ideology or any kind of judicial philosophy, which I call BS. Harmeet Dillon had had written a great piece over at New York Post specifically about Kentonji Brown-Jackson's judicial philosophy. She kept saying that, oh, no, I actually have a methodology. Um, well, it's, just, it's a, just a basic methodology that every single justice uses. But she absolutely has a philosophical lens that she, through which she adjudicates these cases and the fact that she wouldn't even define what a woman is is proof of that the fact that she couldn't even articulate you know her thoughts on natural rights as opposed to civil rights is proof of that uh, there her her philosophy on restorative justice is proof of that that's all proof of her judicial philosophy and so she kept trying to make the case every time she kept pushing that she doesn't have a judicial philosophy she actually would prove it with her answers and so there was a really good um response to her and this was also i'm pulling this up this was also uh noted by in a piece by mark moore when they were talking about uh court packing and everything jennifer mascot is a law school professor at the Antonin Scalia Law School. And she was saying that Kentonji Brown-Jackson just disregards the traditional legal frameworks of textualism, textualism and originalism. And how she actually looks to, um, how she was writing, because her answers were really curious. And she would say she was giving, as Dylan notes, oh, she gives lip service to originalism. She gives lip service to textualism. But as Mascot noted, she actually relies on public, you know, the public meaning of laws and deciding cases. I mean, this is just, it's, it doesn't change the, the, it doesn't make the court lean. It doesn't make it a leftist court. It does because the court still leans conservative, but that's not the point. As I said before we went to break, the Supreme Court is as conservative as the most conservative member. It is as left as the most as the most leftist member. And it has gone decidedly further left as a result of today's confirmation that was in part aided by Mitt Romney. 
Mitt Romney was just, he just wanted to stick it to Republicans. That's what he did. I read his excuses. I was reading his weak justifications as to why he wanted to vote for her. And he was doing it as a way, he has no other way to assert his power. This is a guy who he has, don't, don't mistake. He tries to wrap it up in, you know, all of this uh, religious posturing this pharisaical religious posturing. He tries to wrap it up in that. But, you know, in reality, he is as petty as the people that he criticizes, if not more so. I'll have to tell you, I don't ever recall Donald Trump trying to go off and get a contributor removed from a cable news network or to cause problems for a a contributor at a cable news network because they didn't like any kind of criticisms. You know, I mean, gosh, he, he hired somebody who called him a giant racist Someone who repeatedly said on CNN that he was a racist, he hired that person as his spokesperson towards the end of his presidency. Whereas Mitt Romney, I'll never forget, I just criticized him over health care law and Mitt Romney was trying to cause all kinds of problems for me at CNN. That's just my experience. I've heard a lot of other stuff from other people too, whether it was on television or editorials. So, you know... There's a difference. All of his criticisms of Trump, he was the pettiest. He's one of the pettiest politicians out there. And he has such he doesn't have any influence anymore within the Republican Party. He is as ambitious. He is as ambitious as Hillary Clinton. Don't try to. He leans on uh, this appearance of faith as a way to dis, to to justify it or to distract from it. He is as ambitious as Hillary Clinton, not for anything else but his own but his, but his own self. And because he does not have influence within the Republican Party, he's going to just be a problem. He'll cause chaos. If he can't have influence in the way that he wants, he'll have influence in a destructive way as an agent of chaos. That's, that's what he's doing. He actually did, and he thought for a really long time about whether or not he was going to, uh, you know, run for president again, etc. Just, um, gosh. So he helped. And they're having a press avail with uh, Jen Psaki about this now. If anything develops, we'll get, we'll bring you that. But I'm just curious as to whether or not Ketanji Brown Jackson, will she, you know, just, will she uh, recuse herself when these cases come up? Title IX cases? Any kind of cases that that relate to sex, because I'm just not quite sure how you're going to be able to adjudicate these cases when you can't even define uh, one of the basises for which they're brought forward to the court in the first place. I mean, the 19th Amendment lists sex discrimination as a basis of uh, sex as a basis of of discrimination, uh, which is prohibited. So I'm just curious how she's going to adjudicate any such case that may come before her. When she can't even define one of the basises for which that case would even be brought forward to the court in the first place. So we'll see. And what about natural rights? She said, I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. That's that's basic law 101. So in Romney and others, that's not a mainstream position. That's a position that even Sotomayor has a stance on. Elena Kagan has a stance on. And just how far they've they've gone, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I think was a brilliant line of questioning from uh, Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn when she was bringing up United States, was it uh, U.S. v. Virginia, where she was bringing up uh, a case 
revolving, uh, you know, on the basis of sex. And here you you had Kentonji Brown Jackson who couldn't answer to any of that. That's when the famous, you know, I'm not a biologist. I can't define what a woman is came up. But how far it has gone because Ruth Bader Ginsburg recognized this. That was established law and established science. And it's established science that is the basis for a lot of established law. And she recognized this, which is why Blackburn quoted Ginsburg's own. She wrote the opinion for the court in that case. And that's why Blackburn quoted that to Kentanji Brown Jackson. Brown Jackson had no idea. She had no idea how to handle that. I, I think that Kentanji Brown Jackson is smart. I don't think she's clever. There's a difference. And she didn't pick up on that. And so she kind of, you know, and then she kind of compromised herself by saying, I'm not a biologist, thereby admitting that her sexual, her refusal to define what is or is not a woman is absolutely a biological basis. Thus, her refusal to participate in that is simply a petty political position rather than something that is un, uh, you know, not established by science. But that's how far the pendulum has swung from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Kentanji Brown Jackson. One who can recognize years of jurisprudence and cases that have been defined on the basis of, of sexual, sexual discrimination. And then people like Kentanji Brown Jackson who are, I don't know, what is a woman? What, is, what are natural rights? Ginsburg also, as well, could recognize and define and, and acknowledge what natural rights were, particularly in the context of to everything with living constitution, civil rights, etc. How are you having someone who's going to be say that, you know, you have the oral arguments in the New York case to uh, a case that's going before Supreme Court right now. Oral arguments began. How are you going to have a judge adjudicate that case if they can't even define what a natural right is? That's 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 the crux of this case to keep and bear arms in New York, New York Rifle and Pistol Association to keep and bear arms in New York, California Rifle and Pistol Association. They're going to have cases that are going to I may end up before Supreme Court. Who knows? How are you going to adjudicate those cases if you can't even define what is or is not a natural right in the context of the Second Amendment and apply that framework to the case at hand? How in the world are you going to be able to determine the outcome in that case if you're not even able to acknowledge decades, hundreds of years of existing law? It's a joke. It makes our systems a joke. It makes a joke of the legal system. It makes a joke of the legal profession. It makes a joke of the highest court in the land. And furthermore, it is a mockery of basic human understanding. It is. And you have Mitt Romney who probably can't stretch his arm long enough to pat his back properly or as heartily as he would wish. Now, like I said, you'll have the moderates out there, the moderate Republicans who are going to poo-poo this and say, oh, it doesn't change the makeup of the court. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because, as I said, you have a super far-left justice now. I love this piece. Kerry Washington had had tweeted, Kentanji Brown-Jackson, that is all. And another, uh, the response was, hey, she can't define you or any other black female as a woman. Y'all silence to this fact is laughably stupid, but not unexpected. Retweet, because that's true. true. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So I, I think at some point you're going to have a Supreme Court that's made up of people who can define basic biology and people who can't. I mean, that's, 
that's the facts, Jack. Oh, sorry, Jill. Got to say that now, right? Because everybody's so stupid. We have uh, more to come. Wrapping up uh, today's program. Yeah, it does aggravate me because I just, it's a joke. It's all a joke. It's just, it's, and I think Mitt Romney is an affront to our republic. I do. I don't have any respect for Mitt Romney. I have not liked Mitt Romney since Mitt Romney first started flirting with running for office. And I, and I feel completely forever justified. Oh my gosh. People like Jonah Goldberg. Golly. That, I mean, he, you want to talk about nepotism. He was out there arguing that, oh, the Hunter Biden laptop didn't matter uh, to uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the election. Really? Is that why it was so heavily censored? Is that why nobody was writing about it? You compete, you complete luck of the draw as it relates to gametes. Was it for real? Be quiet. He was one of the people so angry at me because I didn't support Mitt Romney. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. DanaLash.com as well. And, um, goodness, you're definitely, I'll have a wrap-up on uh, the confirmation of Kentonji Brown-Jackson coming up later today. So make sure you go and subscribe. There was a really interesting point that was brought up, and I know we're short on time here, but, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, that why it's important that she is the difference between having a i mean aside from the obvious defense attorney compared to a prosecutor on the bench because i think since thurgood marshall she's had what i think the most experience as a defense attorney and how that comes into play with this stuff we're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow kane though today in stupidity because this audio whoa yeah, it's crazy. So Dr. Jennifer Harvey was talking uh, to a group of students about white guilt. And what she says here is just like, wow, leaves me speechless. White guilt and beyond it as young as possible. Because adults, white adults are running around with white guilt and we're stuck. White guilt has to happen. It's a developmental need. If you believe in equity and you live in this kind of system and you're white, you're going to hit white guilt. So in my mind, I'm like, I need my four-year-old to experience white guilt so I can support her out of it and beyond. I don't understand. What? I don't understand. Why would you put a four-year-old through any guilt of any kind? Isn't that abusive? I would say that that would be it. But white guilt? I mean, I kind of ask that, but I really, that's more of a declarative state. It's, you know, not really so much a... So Not again, it's, it's, it's this whole ideology that's just getting, well, it's permeated for years in, into the college system, but um, no, yeah. no, she wants her four-year-old to, to start doing stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Woo, tomorrow is Friday, and we're going to wrap up the week, get you set for the weekend as well, and what you can expect in the coming week. So, And then make sure you sign up chapter and verse over at Substack because I'll have a wrap up and on some of the Kentonji Brown Jackson stuff as well. And you'll get the daily uh, you'll get the daily uh, prep email too. So don't miss. Folks, that does it for us today. I'll be back behind the mic with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.